Lord, thank you for these truths which give us so much comfort. And Lord, it gives us so much freedom to live the life you've given to us. We don't have to worry all the time. How are we going to break your rules? We can just live the life you've put before us, knowing that as we seek to obey you, yes, we might not do it perfectly, but your grace is there for us. Your forgiveness is available to us. All we need to come is just bow before you and ask you to forgive. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word. Thank you that we can come to your word every single day. And we can come and find those rich promises you've given us. Lord, just help us to come more. To believe more. To put into practice more. What we read in your word. But Lord, your comfort is here. You are here through your spirit to help us in this. Because the task is great. And so, Lord, thank you now that as we open your word, as we come to this book of Hebrews, which you've gifted to us, Lord, help us to read these words, but more than that, may they penetrate our hearts. As we look at the lives of others who've come before us, imperfect people, but ones who put their faith into practice, and ones who you showed your grace towards, you did amazing things. And you can do amazing things in and through us too. Help us now to live, to learn from your word and to live the truth that we learn. So in weakness we come before you, depending on your spirit. Give me the words to speak. Give us the hearts that are open. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> As we come to Hebrews 11 verses 20 to 31, and I've kind of, you just have to find a break somewhere and just go with it because there's so much. So we'll carry on in Hebrews chapter 11 again uh, next time we meet around this passage. But for today we're going to look at Hebrews 11 verse 20 to 31. Before we read this passage together, I want to put the framework of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 around it because we're talking about faith here. And if we don't understand faith properly, if we think it's something that I do alone, we're going to miss the boat. So here's the parameter, the framework around this whole passage of faith. It's a gift from God. And as God gives us this gift, we live, the, we live out the gift. And it's that working together that changes us to be like Christ. God in us, us working with God, He changes us to be like Christ. Faith is a gift from God. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says this. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. And what we're going to speak about this morning is the good things that we do that He has planned for us, but putting our faith into action as we do those things. So that's the parameter around this passage. Now let's get to Hebrews chapter 11 and see how others did it. 
I read from verse 20 to 31. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. See if you can find that in someone's will. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. Your Bible might say a beautiful child. The root meaning there is there's something different about him. He's unusual. And they were not afraid to disobey the king's commands. It was by faith that this Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ, look at that, Old Testament, than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, Look at this. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And then I just want to read verse 32. How much more do I need to say? He's trying to give examples of faith in action, and then he carries on with the next list, and we'll do that at another time. So, as we look at this topic of faith, when we started out on Hebrews 11, I made the statement that the world says that faith is just this vague, gooey feeling that you hope will happen. But is that what faith is? What have we learned from God's Word? It's not just this gooey, intangible thing. It's not a vague feeling that everything will be okay. No, we've learned that faith is what? Chapter 11, verse 1. Let's see what God's Word says, not me. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. There you go. Confident assurance. First definition of faith. And then in... Chapter 11, verse 6, we saw something else about faith. We saw that without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you try and live a life of faith and, you're not, um, and you haven't got faith in God, you've just got faith in your own works, it's impossible to please God. Okay, so we've learned something else about faith. We need faith to please God. And so does He want perfect faith from us? I don't know about you, but that's scary for me. And so I tried to help you last time with, he doesn't want perfect faith, but he does want perfect faith. Remember what that was? You don't? Okay, I'll remind you. 
He wants us to have the faith of a pilgrim. There's the P. Just passing through faith. Remembering that we're just sojourners here. This isn't our home. We are going to our home. You've got a different passport. It's not a Kiwi one. It's the lamb's one. He calls us to have immediate and immense faith. We saw last, in the last section. When the Lord says something for us to do, when we see something in His Word, we are to say, yes, Lord. No excuses. And we are to take that first step. Even though we don't see the bigger picture, God will show us the rest, step by step. We are to have a reasoned faith. Why? Because we know certain things. We know that God is big, that we are small. We know that He's the Creator. We are creations. We know that He's the unchanging God, that He has power over life and death. And so we can have a reasoned faith. It's not just, a, well, that's just what I believe. We are to have a next one, a forward-looking faith. We look forward to that city designed and built by God Himself, where we're going to be if we are believers. That amazing place described to us in various places in Scripture, especially in the book of Revelation. That city of gold, streets of gold. We are to have an at-all-cost faith. And the question was posed to you and I, if we have an at-all-cost faith, are we willing to give up our most precious possessions for the Lord? Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to you I cling. Or as the hymn says, to your cross I cling. And lastly, we saw that we are to have a tenacious faith. That when things get hard for you and I, our faith is to be there for us and it's to persevere despite our circumstances. Okay? So that's what we've learned about this faith. And if we've got this type of faith described to us there, it takes us into the unknown, but in the hands of a known God who's made known promises to us. And so we can go into any situation. doesn't matter. God is there. He's made certain promises to us. We hold on to those promises. I stake my life on those promises. So what can come my way? doesn't matter. I know my future. I know my present. What, what does it matter? God will fill in the details for us. We don't need to know everything. Don't micromanage your life. God will do that for you in a good way. He knows your life ahead of you. But you know, you can know all this stuff and it can stay theory unless you apply this faith to your life. And we're going to now look at various examples in the, the Old Testament of people who applied in their faith, this, this faith to their lives. We looked at Abraham and all that stuff that we've just talked about. Abraham tried to apply those things in his life. And as we start this, this is not a good example. It's not a perfect example, but it is an example. I've got this phenomenal stuff. I use it for everything nearly. It's putty. It's quite soft. It's got two layers and it's just chemicals. Dave will tell you more about these things. I don't know. I just work with what I've got. It's got two chemicals. There's one outer one and an inner one. All right. And um, just like this, it's useless. It's just putty. I can press it. Just mashes. But if I really want this putty to work, I've got to mold it. I've got to push it into each other. I've got to get those chemicals to mix. All right. And I'm just doing that now. It's not one I prepared earlier. Sorry. I've got to really mash it in and get it a nice gray color. Oops. 
And once I've done that, it can now start doing its work. Okay? And I'll show you later what that work is. All right, we're going to leave it there. Just over there. Like that putty, life's like that. We've got the theory of faith, and I've got life. And the two have to mingle. Otherwise, faith doesn't work for us. I've got to apply my faith to my life. Let it do its work, and then the result will be there. So let's look at these examples. And I need you to follow in your scriptures. What I've also done is here, um, we're going to look at these various characters, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and I've given you the references in the Old Testament where you can go and read more. We don't have the time to read the whole story of Joseph. So you need to go and do that. There's homework for you, and I'll give you those passages. You'll see them. Uh, just come to the next slide, please. So in the bottom there, the one in brackets, at the bottom under the title, that's the bigger picture story. Go and write that down. Look at the story. You need to. We don't know our Old Testament the way we should. Right, here we go. So we look at the life of Isaac. And as Hebrews does, I'm going to do. I'm not going to camp on every guy for long. Hebrews just takes a glance at them. It presumes we know the rest of the story. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20, Isaac. What does it say? It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future of his sons, Jacob and Esau. You see, Isaac had every reason to humanly have a little bit of a gripe at God. God, you allowed me to be tied up by my father. And you, put me on, you allowed him to put me on that sacrifice. And you allowed him to raise a knife and you nearly had me killed. Humanly, right? You see, Isaac had physically seen his life being spared too. Because he wasn't unconscious on that, as he lay on that altar. He was alive, bound by ropes, seeing his father's hand coming towards him. He saw God sparing his life. He saw God's provision of a ram in the nick of time. God's time. He had also seen his father, Abraham's faith in action. His father was willing to sacrifice him. He saw that with his own eyes. And so now, in turn, he was to show this intergenerational faith. He saw his father's faith. Now it's his turn to show faith to those who come. And he was willing, says this text, to exercise his faith when it came to the blessing of his own children, Jacob and Esau, says our text. And so there, as Jacob and Esau knelt before him, he blessed them. He was passing on a generation-to-generation example of faith. There are certain people in our lives that God sends in our lives and they teach us about faith. I'm, I don't usually do this, but I publicly want to mention two people who've really been an influence in my life. And the one is Bruce Gollin. Bruce, and if he's watching here, Bruce, the Lord, I thank the Lord for you. But Bruce has shown me how to approach death with faith. Always smiling, always encouraging when you come and see him. Just living out faith. He's older than I am, 
intergenerational. He's teaching me. And the other one, and excuse me for this now, is Marion. She doesn't know that. Ray and Marion I've had known for years when Ray was around. And I've just watched Marion. When you go and visit her, smiling, happy, cup of tea. But teaching me to walk as someone, sorry Marion, a little older than me. But teaching us, pardon? Little. Oh, thank you, Mary. Just a little. Teaching us how to walk the walk. Intergenerational faith. Tell me, what are your spheres of influence? Where you can have intergenerational faith. Where you can show others and bless others with faith. Show them what faith is like in action. Your grandchildren. Many of us have grandchildren we have to look after and they are in our care. Parents are working. It's a time of spending with them. Show them faith in action. There's much more we can say here, but we have to move on. Verse 21, we look at the life of Jacob. What does the text say? It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. So who was this Jacob? Remember Jacob was the one who lay in that dream and he saw that staircase with angels descending and ascending into the heavens. He was the one who wrestled with God all night and who got bruised on the hip. No hip replacements then. But he had not yet seen God's final provision for his people as God had promised him. And he is about to die. And so he puts his faith into action by blessing his grandsons, the sons of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim. He calls them to him. He crosses his hands over them and he blesses them. Now those days, the blessing is not just uh, like a writing out of a will. It was a real spiritual thing exercise as well. It had financial consequences, but it was a real spiritual carrying over of blessing to children. Because it was through these sons, these grandsons of his, that he knew God's blessing would come. He hadn't seen it with his own eyes yet. And so he passed this blessing on in faith. And as he did so, he worshipped God now for what would happen. I love that. There's faith. We worship God now for what he will do. You see, as human beings, we do it the other way around. We wait for God to show that he's answered our prayer and then... Yeah, now can we worship the Lord? Yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you for answering our prayers. We should be worshiping God now by faith for what He will do. That's what Jacob teaches us. We need to pass that on to our children. They need to see us doing these things. Faith in action. I trust that God will provide. That He will look after you as my kids. We've got to move on. Joseph. Verse 22. It was, by, um, sorry. it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. So here was Joseph, and he'd been through a whole lot, hadn't he? He'd seen God's provision for him throughout his life. His brothers chucked him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. He could have died there, but then they sold him into slavery. I don't know which one was better. But God knew. And look what God did for him. He provided for him. He used him as an example too about a faithless nation. But he, he provided for Joseph. 
He gave him power. He gave him influence. It was God's doing. He should have died in prison. And so Joseph could confidently trust God for the future of his people because he'd seen God providing for him. And Joseph knew that despite his own death, which was fast approaching, God would still keep his promises to his children and he would take them to this promised land that God had, that had promised them. And so he gave orders, confident orders, when I die and when you go to the land of Israel that God gives you, uh, the promised land, I want you to take my bones with me. It was a Jewish thing. Don't you do that. Just stay where you are. Take my bones with you. I want to be there in the promised land. You see, Joseph applied his faith and God helped him to finish his life well. He was about to die. Joseph was going to leave a witness behind him of the truth of God's word. And he left this world with his flag of faith flying full mast. Take me with you. I trust the Lord will take you there. What a way to learn from him. You see, for those of us who believe, we can do exactly the same thing. We can leave, we can step from this life into the next knowing that for those who believe, death is swallowed up in victory because God has said so. So go confidently, as Shakespeare said, not into that good night. Go confidently. Let's look at Moses and his parents. Verse 23. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. So, who were Moses' parents? Quick snap question. Fantastic! If I had a prize, I'd give it to you. Amram and Jochebed. All right, mom and dad. Dad and mom, sorry. You can read more about them in Exodus chapter 2. But they applied practical faith versus blind faith. Now, please listen to what I'm saying here. Otherwise, you're going to get it wrong. They applied practical faith versus blind faith. So what did they do? They knew God had given them an unusual child and that he faced death because of Pharaoh's command. And so they didn't just leave him at the doorstep and say, God will provide. That's just blind faith. I want to call it something else. It's stupidity. God has given us good minds. He's given us abilities. And he says, I want you to apply practical faith. So what did they do? They took their baby. They made an ark because that's the original word. A little boat from reeds. They put him in this ark. They put him out among the reeds. They hid him. Thinking parents. But they knew this can't work forever because he's going to be discovered some other stage. The rest, the rest we will leave to God. But they hid him first and then trusted God. Do you see? Blind versus, I mean, practical versus blind faith. Very interestingly, that little word ark that's used in the original, they built an ark. A little floating boat. Isn't that what Noah had? And any good Jews would know the story of Noah, and it's not too far distant from here. They would still remember that massive miracle. And so when they put him in this ark, maybe they were thinking, well, we'll put him in this boat, and as God provided for Noah, he'll provide for Moses. We'll leave it to God. They recognized that they had a special child, that there was destiny with him, God's destiny. And so he's given them this child for a little while, and they must do the thing that they must do to look after him. 
Our children aren't just our children. They're given to us by the Lord. Who knows what he will do with them? We need to look after them. We need to put them in the ark and set them free with the Lord. That's faith in action. And they were unafraid to disobey the king's command. You see, there comes a time when we must obey God rather than men. Yes, the Pharaoh had said, I want you to, I'm going to kill all the babies. That's it. That's what I've said. They disobeyed him. But God had given them a gift they were to look after. They were obeying God. And they were trusting the Lord. And they were unafraid. Why? Because he was in God's hands. They weren't unafraid because they were brave. They weren't unafraid because they had a clever plan. They were unafraid because they put their faith into action. Faith in God. And we have the same. We put our faith into action, not because we're brave, but because we know who God is. We move on. Let's look at this little Moses who was saved, verses 24 to 26. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. So Moses showed a suffering faith. Look at verse 26a. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. What did he know about Christ? It's New Testament. But the Bible says it. How does that work? You see, here we have the inspiration of the Holy Spirit at work in God's Word. Because didn't he give us this? And the Holy Spirit didn't just come from the New Testament. He was there before anything was there. And so he knows the end from the beginning. And so the Holy Spirit knew what was happening in that situation with Moses. He knew that he was looking forward to, didn't have to be Jesus Christ, but the Deliverer who would come, the Messiah, the Messiah who would come. They all knew about the Deliverer who would come. And he was looking forward by faith to this Deliverer, Moses, Old Testament, in Egypt. Amazing. And the Holy Spirit casts that light on God's Word. How do we know it works like it? Because Jesus did the same. He said in John 8.56, Abraham looked forward to the Messiah's day and rejoiced. Well, if Jesus said it, and he knew and he was casting light on the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit tells us now through the writer to the Hebrews, we must believe it. So Moses was looking forward to, for the sake of Jesus Christ. And therefore he disowned the treasures of Egypt. Therefore, he knew there's more coming. I don't need the power and the treasures of Egypt. I look forward to something better. And God was going to take him through a desert with nothing and then to the promised land. What God had promised him. And so he had a persevering faith. Look at verse 27, the second half of it. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. There's my new theme in life. It's a, it's a seeming contradiction to keep your eyes on the one who is invisible. Faith in action. And so with David we can say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When I look ahead of me and I see things, I see the fear of losing a job. The reputation may be gone. My popularity and fear starts overcoming me. 
because it's one of Satan's most powerful weapons. That's when I say, how did Moses overcome his fear? He looked to the invisible God, and so he persevered. God is in the situation. I trust him. And so he was obedient. Verse 28, he kept right on going. He kept giving them God's instructions. And this was now about, uh, verse 28, about painting the doorposts. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill the firstborn sons. You see, blood in itself is nothing. Painting blood on a doorpost won't do anything in itself. What did it? It was the obedience of putting that blood on the doorposts and obeying what God had said. And later God would show them through the symbolism of this Passover and the lamb killed, this picture of the Messiah. And later Jesus would come and die for us on the cross and he conquers death for all those who believe in him. Yes, that would come later. But for them, these people, all they knew, Moses said, paint your doorposts because God has said so. And so they painted them with blood and trusted God to save their firstborn children. Now, if that's not faith in action, what is? They're willing to paint their doorposts with blood and wait and see that God will save their children. Faith in action. We move on. There's so much more that can be said. Verses 29 to 30. Look at what it says. Someone else. The people of Israel. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. I love that. No four-wheel drives here. We just go. The Lord has said, move in. The seas part. We walk through as if on dry ground. Imagine the women and children as they're going ahead there with the sheep and everything. I'd send the sheep first, though. See what happens. But we have a little faith, you see. But imagine they're right there on the Red Sea. The soldiers are coming. They're going to be killed by these people. They're not looking kind. They want to kill us. Angry soldiers. Horses, swords out. And here ahead of them, the sea suddenly opens up. And it's not just this deep. Some have said it was just this deep. And God saved them. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was the sea. And so what did God say in the word? And you can read that up later. The waters opened up. And it backed up way back. And Next to them, you could see fish, dolphins, all kinds of things. The sea was piled much higher than their heads. Certain death. They hadn't known about breaststroke or crawl those days, right? If that water came down, they would die. And so what did they do? The children of Israel put their faith in what Moses and God had said when he had said, walk and go into that sea. And they walked. And they were saved. And the Egyptians tried the same thing. And it wasn't so good. The seas covered them. They were destroyed. Why? There was no faith. See the difference in faith? I'm amazed by the faith of these Israelites. Yes, they weren't perfect, were they? They kept messing up. God shows them these amazing things. The next thing, they're griping. And then they do amazing things and they gripe. Well, we, we actually get the same. It doesn't take as long. There's another example here. 
And uh, so we see this, they had a daring faith, these people under Moses. They, they uh, stepped forward in faith, the seas piled up on them, they applied their faith in action, and God's word uh, through Moses said they must, and they did it, and God saved them. And I love it, they just had this just-do-it faith. And we have this in uh, verse 30 when they, we speak about this Jericho and what happened to them there. Here's another example of faith. There's Jericho uh, in front of them, and record history shows that the walls were so thick of Jericho that you could drive two chariots next to each other on top of the walls. That's how thick the walls were, and they were really high. This thing had been really built not to be conquered. And there the people of Israel are in Joshua chapter 6, and there's a, a seemingly insurmountable Jericho. Human wisdom said, well... The only thing we can do is to take slings, catapults, make stockpiles of rocks and start just hammering these walls. It'll take us a while, but we'll get there. Or, as they used in those days, we can start digging out under the foundations of these walls so that the walls become unstable and they fall down. Or we can starve the population of Jericho into submission, and that can take months and years. And so God's plan to the average ear and the average eye must have been ridiculous. What must you do? I want you to walk around the city in silence for six days. Once a day, just walk around. Nothing. Hey? Imagine the people on the walls. <laughs> We've heard about you, Israelites. Is, is this how you tackle cities? Really? Go for it. Imagine the ridicule, the laughter. Remember Noah? And there they marched around the city in silence. Oh, yeah, we'll write the textbook on how cities are taken out. But then God said, I want you to, on the seventh day, I want you to shout. And the trumpets will blow, and you are to march around, and then you are to cry to the Lord. And what happens? The walls fall down, those big, thick walls. You see, this faith said, God said, march around it. How does faith respond? I don't fully understand, but I'll do it. It's a just do it faith. God says, just do it. You see, anything that demands more than God's word is called what? Doubt. God says something and you say, I will do it, but there's doubt. God tells us to do things. Do it. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. Listen to what it says. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. You see, the, the weapons we have aren't physical weapons. We use spiritual weapons. And one of the strongest of those is the weapon of faith. It knocks fear right out the ballpark, if it's applied right. And so faith triumphs over the seeming insurmountable problems. And then the last one that we're going to look at this morning, and this has been the one that's been most encouragement for me this morning, and that's this woman called Rahab. And we, look, we read about her in verse uh, 31 of chapter 11. Listen to Rahab. 
It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. I love this. Go and read the whole account in Joshua chapter 2. You see, what an unlikely candidate for faith's hall of fame. She was a woman in the Old Testament implications. She was a prostitute. You don't go near. Unclean. She was a Gentile. Oh, worse than the dogs. She was a Canaanite enemy. It's heaping up a bit now. And to crown it all, she was an Amorite. Oh, God had written them off. So, five things against her. What does she do? You see, it shows us how God's grace works. He takes the most filthy, unlikely person. He shows them his love. And when they trust him, he changes their hearts and gives them life. Rahab. She helps the spies. She's heard about the Israelites. She's believed that her salvation can only come from the God of Israel. And she believes that in her heart. And so she helps these spies. And God saves her. And he doesn't just save her. There's more. He adds her to the royal line. David comes from her line. And who comes from David? Jesus Christ. Isn't that God's grace at work? Because she put her faith into practice. I love that story. So what do we do with this? I'm just quickly going to go through our so what's. You see, because God is working with each of our lives in one of these areas. At least one. You need to identify where God is working with in your life. So... Is this in this intergenerational example of your children and grandchildren showing them faith in action? Is that where God's working in your life? Is that where the challenges are? Is that where the opportunities are for you to put your faith into action? Or is it in this area of worship? Worshipping now, even though the uncertainties are ahead of you, worshipping God now for what He will do. Putting your faith into action. Or perhaps using a practical faith, not blind faith. God has given you a good mind to use the situation in front of you. Look at what God has given you. Use them and then trust them. Put your faith into action. Or perhaps in this area of suffering like Moses. Are you willing to suffer for your faith? Perhaps you're the only one in your family who is of the faith. Who is a believer. And your family and your friends and, and everyone else gives you a hard time about it. And, and the... And the it, you could take the easy option out and just comply, like these Hebrews were going to do. But the Lord says, no, put your faith into action in the hard times. Persevere willingly. And the question you need to answer in that case is, where are your eyes? Are your eyes on the invisible God? Or are your eyes on the circumstances? Because you will go where your eyes are looking. You will go where your eyes are looking. Are you seeing the one who's invisible? Your faith, is your faith willing to trust God at his word? No ifs and buts, full stop. God, God's word says so, I believe him. I trust him. Or perhaps 
You need to still activate your faith, and I use that carefully, because God gives us that gift, but I need to put it into action. To just do what God has said. I don't fully understand it, but I, I put it into action. Like Rahab. She had a limited faith. You see, you don't know, need to know everything about faith. You don't need to have read through the Bible 75 times and know all the faith chapters off by heart and, know, and be able to say John 3, 16 to whatever off by heart. You don't need all that stuff. All you need is, do you trust God? His word has told you. Will you put that into practice? And he will take that faith and he will do something massive with it. Why? Because he is the God who does amazing things. When we put our limited faith into his unlimited, all-powerful hands. Isn't that right? When we mash our faith with life, it's activated. God does things in and through us into the lives of other people. It's no longer just putty. This will withstand. I've used this on the back of my kayak where there was a hole. Believe me, you need to know it's going to work. It's hard. I trust it. Faith in action can be trusted. It will work. God will do what he does in your life. And you will see his hand at work. And he will be glorified through your life. But we need to bring theory to reality. Lord, help us in that, I pray. Let's pray. Lord, it's so easy for us to read words, to hear words, even to remember words. But it's so hard for us to apply. Help us with our weak faith. Help us to apply in large situations. To bring the small faith we have, which you've gifted to us, and to give it back to you. To trust you with whatever lies ahead. And know that you will be there for us because you've promised. And your word will endure because you are the everlasting, unchanging God. Help us now, Lord, because we are the opposite. We are weak, fallible, and changeable. Help us in our weakness, we pray. So that your name will be glorified as our grandchildren, as our friends, as our colleagues, as those around us see us putting our faith in action and trusting you, whatever comes. Help us, Lord. Amen. We're going to end our service this morning by reading from God's Word together as our closing prayer. You have to open your eyes, though, unless you know it off by heart. All right. So it's from Jude 24 to 25. Let's read together. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen.